Section eight of the Destination of Man by Johann Gottlieb Fichte, translated by Jane Sennett. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter eight Knowledge, Sensation, or Contemplation. The Character I read by Kevin S. Spirit read by Larry Wilson it is then not at all by means of an inference drawn consciously or unconsciously from the law of causality that the object appears to me it is immediately presented to my consciousness without any process of reasoning i cannot as i have just done say that perception becomes transformed into a something perceivable for this is the first in consciousness it is not an affection of my own sight or touch which i call red smooth and so on but of a red smooth object i am conscious if however thou shouldst be obliged to explain what is red smooth and the like thou couldst not possibly make any other reply than that it was that by which thou wert affected in a certain manner certainly if you ask me this question i make an attempt to explain it in fact however neither i nor any one else asked this question I forget myself entirely and lose myself in contemplation of the object. I am not conscious of my own state at all, but only of an existence out of myself. Red and green are properties or attributes of the thing, and that is all. The matter can be no further explained any more than, according to what we have agreed on, my affection can be further explained. This is most evident in the affections of sight color appears as something out of myself and it would never occur to a man of unsophisticated understanding to explain it as that which caused a certain affection or state of being in himself assuredly however he would do so if we asked what he meant by sweet or sour we will not now stop to inquire whether the sensation of sight is more than pure sensation whether it may not be something intermediate between sensation and contemplation and their connecting link in our minds i admit the assertion and it is extremely welcome to me you can indeed lose yourself in contemplation of the object and without directing particular attention to yourself or without interest for any particular external action you do so naturally and unavoidably this is the remark to which the defenders of a vain consciousness of external things have recourse when it is shown that the law of causality by which their existence might be inferred exists only in ourselves they deny then that any such inference is made and inasmuch as they refer to real consciousness in certain cases this cannot be disputed these same defenders when the nature of contemplation from the laws of intelligence itself is explained to them draw themselves this inference and are never weary of repeating that there must be something external to us which compels us to make this inference let us not concern ourselves about them at present i have no preconceived opinion and seek only for truth contemplation necessarily proceeds from the perception of thine own state although there may not be at every moment a clear consciousness of such a perception even in that consciousness in which thou losest thyself entirely in the object there is still something which is only possible from a close observation of thine own state that is to say that at all times the consciousness of existence out of myself 
is accompanied by an unobserved consciousness of my own state of being the first dependent on the latter is it not so this is my meaning prove this to me and i shall be satisfied dost thou regard objects as placed generally in space or as each occupying a certain portion of space the latter for every object has its determinate size and do various objects fall in the same part of space by no means they exclude each other they are over or under behind or before one another nearer to me or further from me and how dost thou come to this measurement and arrangement of space is it by sensation how can it be since space itself is no sensation or is it by contemplation this cannot be for contemplation is immediate and infallible what is contemplated does not appear as brought forth and cannot deceive but i undertake to estimate the size and distances of objects and their positions with respect to others and it is known to every tyro that we first see all objects in the same line and learn to calculate their greater or lesser distances an infant stretches out his hand toward distant objects as if they lay immediately before him and one born blind who should suddenly receive sight would do the same this representation of distances is therefore a judgment formed by means of the understanding i may err in my estimation in what are called optical deceptions are not deceptions of sight but erroneous judgments formed concerning the size of objects and the various relations between them and consequently concerning their true figure and distance the object is really as i behold it in space and the color which i observe is likewise real in this there is no deception and what is then the principle of this judgment to take the easiest case how do you judge of the distances of objects doubtless by the greater strength or feebleness of impressions otherwise similar i see before me two objects of the same red color and the one whose color appears the fainter i regard as the more distant and as much more distant as it is fainter therefore it is according to the degree of strength in the impression and how then do you estimate this degree of strength obviously by my observation of the manner in which i am affected and moreover by very slight differences in the mode of my affection thou hast conquered all consciousness of objects out of myself is determined by a clear and exact consciousness of my own state and i reason from the effect producing me to the cause of this effect out of myself thou hast yielded so quickly that i must now carry on the argument against myself in thy name my proof can hold no further than for these cases in which in actual consideration an estimate of the size distance and position of objects takes place in most instances however a judgment is formed of the size and distance of an object at the very moment in which it is perceived when we have once learned to estimate distances by the strength of the impression the rapidity of the judgment is merely the consequence of its frequent exercise i have learnt by a lifelong experience to calculate distance by this means and the representation that i now make of them is combined of sensation contemplation and former judgments of the last of which only i am conscious i do not any longer see a red or a green out of myself but a red and a green at different distances and this last addition is merely a renewal of a judgment formerly attained by a reasoning process is it not then now become clear whether the existence of objects out of thyself is discovered by reasoning 
or intuitively contemplated or obtained by a combination of both perfectly and i believe that i have now obtained the fullest insight into the origin of the representation of objects out of myself first then i am simply because i am conscious that i am conscious of my existence as an intelligent practical being the first consciousness is sensation the second contemplation unlimited space what is unlimited i cannot comprehend for i am finite i limit therefore by my thought a certain portion of the universal space and place the former in a certain relation to the latter thirdly my own sensation forms the scale by which i measure this limited portion of space what affects me in such or such a manner stands in such or such a relation to other things affecting me the properties or attributes of the object proceed from the consciousness of my own sensations the space which it fills from intuitive contemplation by a process of thought both are united in one and by the act of my own mind by which it is viewed as in space that which was merely a state or affection of my own being becomes an attribute of the object it is however placed in space not by intuitive contemplation but by thought by the measuring and regulating power of thought not that this act is to be regarded as a creation by thought but merely a limitation of a given product of contemplation and sensation what affects me in such or such a manner is to be placed in such or such a relation this is the process followed in arranging and measuring objects in space but in declaring that it affects thee in a certain manner do we not assume that it affects thee generally doubtless we do and is any representation of an external object possible which is not in this manner limited and defined in space no for an object is not generally in space but each one in a limited portion of space therefore in fact whether consciously or not every external object is represented by thee as affecting thyself as certainly as it is represented as filling a certain portion of space that follows certainly and what kind of representation is that of an object affecting thyself evidently an act of thought and of thought according to the law of causality above mentioned i see now still more clearly that the consciousness of an object is doubly united to my self-consciousness by intuitive contemplation and by thought according to the law of causality it must then be possible for thee to become conscious of this act or thought doubtless it must although usually i am not so to this passive state this affection of thyself therefore thou must add the supposition of an activity out of thyself such as thou hast before described in reference to the law of causality i must and with the same validity and with the same signification as before thou canst not think otherwise and canst know nothing more than that thou dost think so nothing more this we have already seen insomuch then the object is the product of thy thought certainly for this follows from the former premises and what then is this object discovered by the idea of causality a force existing outside of myself which is neither discovered by the sensation nor by contemplation no i am always perfectly conscious that i do not perceive it immediately but only by means of its manifestations although i ascribe to it an existence independent of my own i am affected and i infer that there must be something that affects me 
the object intuitively contemplated therefore is very different from the object of the understanding the one appears before thee extended in space the other the inward force is discovered only by a process of reasoning i place this force also in space and connect it with the extended mass which i contemplate and what then is according to thy view the relation subsisting between it and the mass the mass with its properties is itself the effect and manifestation of the inward force this force has a twofold operation one by which it maintains itself in a certain definite form another by which it appears and affects me in a certain manner thou hast formerly sought for a supporter of attributes other than the space containing them a something permanent amidst the vicissitudes of perpetual change i have and this something permanent is found it is this force itself which endures forever assuming and supporting all change let us now cast a glance back on what we have established thou findest thyself in a certain state affected in a certain manner which thou callest red smooth sweet and so on dost thou know more in this case than simply that thou art thus affected that such a sensation exists i do not further by a law of thy nature as an intelligence a space is conceived by thee or dost thou know more than this concerning this matter by no means between this state or sensations of which thou art conscious and that conception of space there is not the smallest connection except that which exists in thy consciousness itself or dost thou perceive any other i see none thou art however a reasoning as well as a contemplative and a sensitive being thou dost not merely feel thy state or sensation it is also present to thy thought and thou findest thyself compelled to assume a cause existing out of thyself a foreign force dost thou know more this than that such an inference is unavoidable i can know no more than that i am compelled to think this by an inevitable law of my own thought through this thy thought first arises a connection between the sensation which thou feelest and the space intuitively contemplated by thee thou refers to the latter the cause of the former or is it not so it is so thou hast clearly proved that i affect this connection by the process of my own thought and that it is neither felt nor contemplated of any connection beyond the limits of my consciousness i cannot speak i cannot proceed a hair's breadth further any more than i can spring out of myself to attempt to represent a connection between things in themselves with the eye in itself is to ignore the nature of thought or to speak of that as thought which no one can ever think from thee then i need fear no contradiction when i say that our consciousness of external existence is absolutely nothing but the product of our own faculty of presentation and that we know nothing more of external objects than that we have a certain determinate consciousness of them subject to certain laws i cannot deny this it is so canst thou ought object to the bolder statement of the same proposition that in that which we call intuitive knowledge or contemplation of the external world we contemplate only ourselves and that our consciousness is and can be only a consciousness of the modifications of our own existence i say also thou wilt not be able to advance aught against the assertion that if the external world generally arises for us only through our own consciousness what is individual and particular in this external world can arise in no other manner 
and if the connection between what is external to us and ourselves is merely a connection in our own thought then is the connection of the manifold objects of the external world this and no other as clearly as i have shown thee the origin of this general presentation of objects beyond thyself could i also show how there arises an infinite multiplicity of objects mutually related determining each other with rigid necessity and forming a complete system such as thou thyself hast well described i spare myself this task however since i find that thou hast already arrived at the result for the sake of which alone i should have undertaken it i see this result and must submit to it and with this insight mortal be forever free from the fear which has been to thee a source of torment and humiliation tremble no longer at a necessity which exists only in thine own thought fear no longer to be overwhelmed by things which are the product of thine own mind to find thyself the thinking being placed in one class with what is brought forth by thine own thoughts as long as thou couldst believe that a system of things such as thou hast described really existed out of and independently of thyself and that thou wert but a link in this great chain such a fear might be well grounded now that thou hast seen that all this exists but in thee and through thee thou wilt doubtless no longer fear that which is but the creature of thine own mind from this fear i wish to free thee and i leave thee now to thyself end of section eight